Today we are going to be answering um, a question that I think is um, really, really important just where you are like in life right now and where you will continue to be um, for a long time. Um, it's really important because things are all constantly going to be changing around you and it feels like it's out of your control and it doesn't look like anyone that's sitting beside you. And so we're going to be answering the question, um, will obedience to God benefit me more than my own plan? Um, we don't really care about the answer to this question, right? Until our plan starts to fall apart. Like we don't really care to come before God and like ask like, hey, like, am I doing things right? Right, until like nothing is working, everything is falling apart, you don't know which way you're going, things have failed. That's when you find yourself before God and you're like, yeah, I should probably, I should probably check in with you about this one. Um, so as we talk through this, I'm going to be asking y'all a few questions and I want y'all to um, more so talk through these things with the people sitting next to you. There are no wrong answers to any of the questions I'm going to be asking you, but it's just going to be really important for you to kind of like honestly take a look into your own heart for you to be able to process this. Um, and so the first question that we're going to ask is, what do you do when your plan falls apart? There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, it can be like, I cry, like, <laughs> like whatever that is. Like, what is your, like, your go-to, your default response when your plan falls apart? So just talk about that with whoever's sitting next to you. Okay, what are, what are some of your responses? It doesn't take us long to think about this. Like, we know kind of what our default, like, like, response is to that. So what do y'all do when your plan falls apart? Just, you can shout it out. You can be like, Caleb said this. You know, you can just make up someone else's answer. Yep. Awesome. Very healthy response. He said he cries. Okay, okay, what else? What else? Okay, yeah, a lot of tears. Get angry. Yeah. Give up. Make a new plan. Yeah, so these are all very like kind of like we feel like justified like normal responses and and um, maybe that's what it takes right for us to reckon with like what matters in life like we're coming to the realization that like hey like what I thought I was doing is not working out and so if you haven't already come to the end of your plan in life like you will soon and I am not here to rip that band-aid off I'm not here to pop that bubble that's not what we're talking about today like you'll get there on your own like just give it time something will fall apart um, but the reason we're talking about this is because I want you to know that what you think and what you believe about this like really really matters because at the end of our own plan we then enter into a season of longing and we long because the life that we are currently living seems so far away from the life that we thought we wanted. We begin living emotionally on the run, and this reflects a shift in our allegiance. And so in these moments, we have chosen to then live by the truth of our own gospel rather than by the true gospel of Jesus Christ. This is when we change the story. 
We've started changing what our truth is. We've started changing by kind of like the parameters we live by. We change the story. And so for starters, we redefine hell. And so that seems like some pretty strong language for this idea, but hell becomes the lack of what we long for. Hell becomes the lack of what we long for. Not getting the job, not getting the girl or the guy, not getting married, not making the cut, not getting the promotion or the attention or the friend group. The lack of those things becomes our personal hell. Then we redefine heaven. It becomes the dreamy vision of the relationship, the house, the marriage, the job, the friend group, the promotion, the attention, the success, and so on. Right? Like with us, right there in the center, the starring role of our own really, really great plan. That becomes our new heaven. And so to bridge the gap between our personal hell and our personal heaven, we then must come up with some sort of functional savior or personalized God to take us from one side to the other. We trust in some other false God to give us like what we want to complete our own gospel story, to complete the story that we have then changed. And to live by our own gospel is really another way to describe idolatry because we are choosing created things, idols, functional saviors, false gods, or whatever you want to call them, whatever they are in your life, to give us what only God can provide. But we struggle to believe that God can provide, right? Because that's why we're here in the first place. That's why we're changing the story in the first place. That's why we're living by the truth of our own gospel in the first place is because we don't believe that God can provide those things. The only he is good. And that he knows not only better than us, but he knows all things. This is when we find ourselves then at the crossroads of trust and authority. And we're going to talk about this for a little bit. And I want to ask you, why, why do we have authority issues? And why do we have trust issues? You can shout it out. There's no wrong answers. Everyone's going to respond to authority in their life differently. Everyone's going to respond to trusting in their life differently. Yeah, all of those things contribute to our issue with trust and authority. And so therefore we operate out of fear. Confidence is the reason that you follow Jesus in the first place. When you decided to follow Jesus, do you remember why you trusted him? The answer to this question is going to be really important and we're going to come back to it, but I want you to think about that for a while. If you're writing notes or have stuff in your phone, like I want you to write down that question. When you decided to follow Jesus, do you remember why you trusted him? I personally, I am very attached to outcomes. Does anyone else feel that way in their life? Like you can give yourself just a nice hand raise. Like I, I feel like I have control. I want to calculate how this is going to come out. I want to like see as far out into the future as possible and know that I have done everything I can to get my preferred outcome. What are some outcomes that you are attached to? You can also just shout this one out. I think there's like lots of things that that we are attached to and they 
whether we like kind of put language to it or not, kind of control what we do in our day to day, right? Like we're as attached to the outcomes of small things as like, am I gonna eat what I want to eat for dinner tonight? Like, am I gonna like have enough time to watch the show I wanna watch? Like, like my, the outcome of my grades of like, getting into a grad school program, the person I'm gonna end up with, like we, there are so many outcomes that we are constantly thinking ahead for. And so I, I like to say that I trust God. I feel like that's a pretty generally like safe statement to make, right? Like, yeah, I trust God. But behind the scenes, I will literally work my fingers to the bone and my emotions into a tangled fray trying to control my outcomes. I praise God when my normal looks like what I thought it would. Yep, that's exactly the outcome I calculated. Thank you, God, you were really good. And then I question God when it doesn't. And I walk away from him or grow bitter towards him or doubt him when I have a sneaking suspicion that God is the one that set fire to the hope that was holding me together and keeping me going. The hope of that outcome, the hope of that thing was fueling me through the day to day. And the Lord set fire to that and now I doubt him. Because of my false hope, because of my own plan. And we can't handle that when that happens. Like when there's fire set to our idea of how we think something should be like we cannot handle that and that's when we enter into this thing um and the word i'm gonna or the phrase i'm gonna use for it is kind of like a new thing in our generation but it's romanticizing life and it's almost like mind-boggling to me like i've seen actual like tiktok tutorials of like how to romanticize your life like i'm not kidding like it is nuts of just like literally making your mundane this like dreamy vision right to get through and so whether or not you want to call that that's what you're doing we motivate ourselves to get through the bad the mundane or the doubtful of today by playing a mental movie of the good that will surely come tomorrow right and we replay that over and over and over again in our head and if not tomorrow then very very, very soon. We romanticize every part of life because we struggle to handle the reality of disappointment. I'm gonna share with you some like really raw, honest prayers that I prayed in the throes of like dealing with disappointment and dealing with the Lord quite literally setting fire to what I thought was the plan of my life. And I don't share these with you because, like, I did it right. Like, like, I have stacks of these journals, okay? This is not me doing anything right. This is me, like, fighting the Lord. But I share these with you so that you can see, like, I didn't just wake up the realization of these things. Like, I had to fight for these. Like, I had to fight to understand why disappointment is important and how to trust the Lord. This is from a few years ago. And I started with a prayer. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. For he has looked on my humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. I'm writing out Luke 1, 45 through 55 in my prayers as this is Mary's response, the Virgin Mary's response to bearing the Son of God and and her response to knowing the shame that would come upon her. And in this, Mary's entire entire being is caught up in praise to God. Mary knows she is a servant of the Lord, and her spirit rejoices. God often uses people who are not great in the world's eyes to work his great purposes on the earth. And Mary is a perfect example. I go on to say, Lord, remind me of Mary's confidence in your faithfulness. Help me to respond like she did to Gabriel. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Not but God. Plain and simple obedience and trust. She trusted you with her heart and her life. I'm sure Mary had plans of her own to stay in normal okayness. But she allowed you to so beautifully wreck her plans and through that the world was changed forever. I wonder what would happen if I let go and said, let it be to me according to your word. How many people would it change other than just me? This life is not about me. Mary knew that too and she truly lived that way, humbly, obediently, rejoicing in you, trusting in you. Help me to be more like Mary. Show me. Continue to reveal to me in your word. Keep whispering to me in my heart sweet reminders that I am safe with you, that my heart is safe with you. Like, I had to, like, fight through submitting my own plan in the reality of my disappointments continually like begging to make my heart right before the Lord because I was not content. I wrote, I wrote out this poem over and over and over again in my journal that I found. It says, of all the plans I have for me, grand as they ever be, they don't come close to the things you know, all the dreams that you foresee. My life to you means more than what I'll ever understand you've planned for me to do and be, far more than what I can. I don't deserve this life you gave or the one you give me still, but you wanted me to have this life when you gave yours on that hill. Disappointment in the reality of that our plans are bad pushes us to long for God himself. Like, what I was facing and what I was fighting the Lord for, like, only pushed me to come to the heart of the Lord, only pushed me, like, to literally come to his feet and seek his heart. What are some disappointments that you are currently facing? Like, we face them all the time. Small and large, like, they affect us in how we function and what we believe is true of the Lord. See, we plan things, but we can't control them. No matter how well you think you know people in your life, no matter how 
Well, you think you've planned something out, you cannot control the things in your life. No matter how much you follow the rules and do what's right and seek to obey God with your whole heart, you cannot control your life. And you cannot control God. It's hard to say that out loud, like, you cannot control God. Like, we don't like to think we want to control God. I personally don't want to control God. Until I do. (laughs) When his timing seems questionable, his lack of intervention seems hurtful, and his promises seem doubtful, I get really afraid. And I get confused, and then I'm left alone with those feelings and can't help but feel disappointed that God isn't doing what I assume or what I think a good God should do. But God has thoughts about this too, way more than what we do. Jeremiah 29, 11-13 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You see, I want to assume that his promises to never leave me or forsake me means that, like, he's just operating like some, like, supernatural, like, shield around me, preventing me from horrific things, from disappointment, from things happening to me or those that I love, from disappointment, keeping me from doing, like, you know, just, like, the worst mistake ever, and piecing things together so that it comes out good in the end. Like, that's how I, that's, that, that's what I want to think when I read that verse. I want to assume that my definition of best should be God's definition of best. And I want my definition of good to be God's definition of good. So I try to write the story of my life according to all of my assumptions, which are wrong. So I want to ask you another question for you to think about. If you had to rewrite that verse according to the actions of your life, what would that verse say about you and what you believe about God? When I thought about that question for myself, like that's like convicting. <laughs> like I sit there and I'm like, do, do I know what it means to trust the Lord? And see how easy it is for me to doubt and for me to try to take things into control. But God's plan for his people includes a secure future and a secure hope. Based on this, we should pray expectantly for his good things. Right? This verse does not say according to Megan's good things, according to Megan's plans, according to Megan's wants and preferences. God promises that he will be found when we seek him with all of us. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Like you cannot read that with a clear conscience and think that that verse is about you. Like this has nothing to do with us in the ways that we want it to. So when I'm trying to grasp control according to my own assumptions and my own wisdom and my own good, I take the driver's seat in a place that I was never supposed to be. 
And so here we face it again, the truth that we don't actually want to relinquish control to God. Because the most dangerous assumption out of them all is, well, I could, I could surely do this better than God. That's what that translates to. Of course, we don't ever verbalize any of that, right? We're not going to dare say that out loud. That's not the good Christian thing to say. But there it is. It's me, and it's you, and our, like, full humanness. And the enemy, like, is really good at deceiving us to believing that. He tempts us and lures us in. He stands in front of us with control written on one hand and disappointment written on the other. We see the false option of control being offered, and we hear, yeah. Here you go. Take control of your own life. Stop following God's rules. When you are in control, you'll be able to get everything you've ever felt denied by God. And on his other hand, with disappointment, He simply takes that hand and he points to all the many disappointments in your life and in my life and he questions, why would God keep good things from you? He's such a restrictive God. His rules really shouldn't apply to your situation. You actually know better. Disappointment happens every time I come face to face with the absolute inability to control people, circumstances, and timing. But without this disappointment, like we would settle for the most shallow things of this world, the most shallow pleasures and the most shallow plans that this world has rather than addressing our own lack, the spiritual desperation of our souls. If our plans did not fall apart, guys, if, like, if our hearts did not literally break, if our souls did not ache, we would never fully admit and submit to our need for God and His rules and His plans and His good and His timing. Like This is the place in which you realize obedience to God is for your good and your protection. Like Disappointment has to happen in your life. It's unavoidable, but like what and how you learn to do with that and how you learn to respond like pushes you to realize your need for him like without lack there is not a need there has to be lack in our life philippians 4 7 and the peace of god which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus this verse refers to praying for what concerns us The insinuation is that we will obediently hand over to God. What we obediently hand over to God will be replaced by peace, and this peace will guard our minds and our hearts. We all know what a lack of peace feels like. It's not hard to find. But where there is lack of peace, like there is chaos. 
And where there is chaos, pain always follows. It's the pain that God uses to save our lives. Like that pain is so necessary because pain forces us to address what is wrong, right? Like when you don't feel good, what do you do? You go to the doctor to then go figure out what is wrong. Like if those like things in our body that tell us that like something is hurting or something is off didn't happen, like we would not be able to get the help that we need. Pain forces us to address what is wrong and what is desperately needed to be attended to. Guys, he loves us like too much to do the very thing that we are begging him to do. He knows things that I don't know. He knows things that you don't know. He sees the bigger picture that we cannot see. His mercy is too great and his love is too deep. I have a question that I want you to take some time to discuss with someone next to you and you're not going to like give the answer back, so just take some time to to think about it and answer it honestly, and there's no wrong answer, but what is something that you have asked God for that he denied for your good? What is something you have asked God for that he denied for your good? Take some time to talk to that. Talk about that with someone next to you. I'm going to share with you... Um, Another prayer of me, like, literally just going through the motions of, of understanding God denying things for my good. Lord, continue to help me to see the big picture. Change my perspectives. Reveal to me what I have been blind to. Remind my heart that it is okay to let go and leave things I hold so dear at your feet. I admit that I am so scared of doing that. I don't have to hide that because you already know that. I don't have to pretend to have it all together, so here I am, Lord. Shaking, hands trembling, I am terrified. Teach me how to trust you. I know I can, but I don't know how to. Encourage me, Jesus. I want my heart to be content with you, but I am scared of doing what it takes to get there. Forgive me for my doubt and wandering. I am not content. I wanted something so bad, too bad. I wanted it more than I want you. Forgive me for putting something above you. You said no to this, and for that I am sad, and rightly so, because I cherished it too much. Quiet my soul, comfort me, and comfort my heart, O Lord. Make me still before you, and to hear you, and to see you. This whole thing is reigning my heart, and is sitting in your seat. It is demanding something that you said no to. Remove this so that you sit on the throne of my heart. You are God, and you are my God, and this is dominating my mind, consuming my thoughts, pulling my attention away from you. Father, please help my heart. See, God longs to help us, and there are many things that God longs to help us with, but at the core of it all, like what, what all of this is for, like everything that we do, every question that we answer, every, every Sunday seminar, every Wednesday night, every small group, like every prayer that we pray, guys, like it is all at the core of it all 
to be made into the process of being made into the image of Christ. And so there are many things that God longs to help us with, but like, he longs to help you through the process of that. And like, that is me like going through the process of that, of like realizing that. And like, I like almost get it. And then I'm like, so if you could just like remove this so I could honor you, that'd be great. Like I'm asking for the easy way out here. And I don't realize like Megan, like it was never about that. It was never about the thing I was asking for. It was never about the thing I was praying for. Like the thing that you want that you're struggling to submit to the Lord, it's not about the thing the way we think it is. Like, at the heart of it all, it's about being made into the image of Christ. Like, God doesn't care where you go to school. He doesn't care what you major in. He doesn't care where you work. He doesn't care about these things the way we think he does. He is the ultimate example of wrestling well between faith and feelings. Hebrews 5, verse 7 through 9, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. I read that and I'm like, crazy that Jesus had to like learn anything. But yeah, Jesus was fully God, but also fully human. His divinity was complete, but his humanity grew. And he matured and he learned how to be obedient as fully man. Y'all, it would take a lot of obedience to do life with humans. Like, you're fully God and you have to be like patient with them. I would not want to do that. I don't want to do that now. But the amount of obedience it took to walk alongside humans who were so fickle and disrespectful and forgetful and untrusting and unwilling and unbending with their pride... It took so much obedience to love people who mocked him and spit on him and wronged him in literally every way. And it would take much obedience to go to the cross for these people. For us people, for me and for you people. His humanity suffered, really, really suffered. He offered up prayers and pleadings with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Jesus' humanity begged for not this. Like he's asking, his, his fully humanness is asking for not this. His humanity cried for some other way. His humanity begged for something different. But this obedience he learned from suffering compelled him to trust God beyond what his physical eyes could see. We all have said that we trust God because it's the Christian thing to do. Like, that is just like, yeah, trust God. Yeah, yeah, girl, just trust the Lord with it. It's okay. It'll be fine, just trust the Lord. Like, we love to say that. But it is marked moments like this one that we can point to and remember and declare that we will trust God with this disappointment with this situation, with this heartbreak, with this shattered plan. Jesus had many marked moments. We often read how he got away to pray and be with his heavenly father. He would face something and he needed a marked moment to trade his human desire for God's will. 
A memorable March moment we read about is in Matthew 26 when he asked God to take this cup from me. Again, we see his humanity wanted a different plan. But he marked his request with the ultimate statement of trusting God. Matthew 26, 39, and he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and prayed saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Like, Jesus knew what was coming. Like, he knew what was ahead of him. And still said, as you will. When Jesus taught us to pray, he modeled again marked moments of trust on a daily basis. Matthew 6, 9 through 11 This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. This is obedience, guys. This is trust. Like Obedience is the daily practice of trusting God, and to trust God is to trust His timing. And to trust God is to trust his way. And God loves me and you too much to answer our prayers at any other time than the right time and any other way than the right way. But we don't need answers, guys. We, we need Jesus. And we don't need plans. We don't need all of these physical things that we feel like we're in control of. Like We need Jesus and we need his wisdom to be the loudest voice in our life. We need his truth washing over our wounds of disappointment. Like we have to stop the madness and the chaos of our own assumptions and our own assessments. Like our soul was made for assurance. And that kind of assurance you don't find in your own assumptions. Assurance is exactly exactly what God gives. God promises peace when we are obedient to him. Acts 10, 34 through 36, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Peace is available to everyone who will follow Jesus as their new king and learn to be obedient to his teachings. Luke 7, 50, in the, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. Faith and trust and allegiance, that saves us from the danger that we are in at every level and allows us to move forward in peace, knowing that we have not been saved once or superficially, but are safe in being made sound. Isaiah 32, 17, and the work of righteousness will be peace and the service of righteousness, quietness, and confidence forever. Obedience and righteousness are the same thing. Righteousness is doing what God says is best, and peace is the outcome of that obedience. So I have laid out for you, like, the waters that we swim in when... We come to the end of our own plan. So let's answer the question, like, will obedience to God benefit me more than my own plan? Like, you tell me. 
Like, how is your plan going? Obedience is doing what God wants me to do. So, will doing what God wants me to do benefit me more than my own plan? Has your own plan ever brought you more peace and security than doing what God wants you to do? The peace that you crave, guys, like the security, the comfort, like that is only available through obedience and through doing what God says is the right way to do things. So let the answer to this question for you be a marked moment in your life. Do you find peace in your own plan? Charles Spurgeon says, when your will is God's will, you will have your will. So, maybe there's something you need to do. Maybe there is a plan you need to submit to God. A thing, a want, a need. Maybe you need to take up the daily practice of remembering the reasons that you trusted Jesus in the first place. Like, we are so forgetful, guys. Like, insanely forgetful. Like, can you imagine what that would do for you? Like, if you just answered that question this morning, if you got up and you wrote it again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and you put that everywhere that you look, you put it in your car, and you put it on your mirror, and you put it on your desk, like, we need to remember why we ultimately surrendered to the Lord in the first place. And the last is, plain and simple, like, stop overthinking it. Like, God's will is simple. And we miss it when we get into this big, tied-up bundle of fear, and I just don't want to miss it. The answer to what God's will is way more simple than we even want it to be. And that's because it requires our obedience. God's will for your life is to do His will, nothing else. But to do this, we have to die daily to ours. I'm going to pray for us. Um, Father, we, um, Lord, we just confess that we are so, so forgetful and fearful and selfish, and controlling. Lord, all those things come because we have not stopped enough to remember why we trust you. Lord, would you help us to be like Mary? For our souls to magnify you. To stop at no matter what level and say, but Lord, I am your servant. No matter what comes, no matter the answer, no matter the shattered plan, like I am your servant. May that be true of us. May that be true of the posture of our hearts. May that be true of the things that we think, of the prayers that we pray, the things that we say, of the actions of our choices. May they be obedient 
to you and to what you say is right, Lord. Would you help our hearts like, to be okay when things aren't how we thought they should be? But more than that, like trust you and know that you are good and know that you are faithful and know that you are trustworthy. May those truths rule our life, Lord. Far more and far louder than the doubts and the lies that we will face every day. Lord, help us to have marked moments like Jesus, to go and be with you and to submit our wants and to submit our fears and to submit our requests and trade them for your will, Lord. Like the act of that alone is obedience, like coming to you and saying, God, Lord, like I'm really scared and I really, really want this thing to happen and I really, really don't know what's coming next, but I trust you and I want to be obedient to you and I want to be glorifying to you. Lord, may those things be true of us. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to band together as we do this, to have honest conversations with the people sitting to our left and to our right and in front and behind us, Lord. Like, help us to lean into community as like we all walk through this at different levels. We all face disappointment at different levels, Lord. Help us to just be honest and to encourage one another's hearts. Father, we pray these things and we just praise you and we trust you. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.